0: Welcome back to the OG Livewire on the Goat District Network. Uh, This is a big day for us. We have this show, and then we have a doubleheader today. Uh, I'm really excited. We have a high-stakes roundtable tonight with Chris Vaccaro and Abib Agbatoba. Uh, So I'm going to get things started. We're going to talk a little bit of waivers. Uh, Excited to be back. Yeah, so shout out to my boy, uh, Jose Pena, in the, in the chats. Yeah, I'm back. We, we did not have a show last week. I was traveling on Monday. Uh, it was a difficult, difficult one to do, getting back so late. Um, I was in Disney World with my family. Uh, when you miss one, you know, a few days of fantasy football, it feels like you've missed six weeks of it. Uh, but I feel like I've caught up, and uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, we enjoyed uh, last night's, you know, wild Monday Night Football game where Washington beat Philadelphia. No more undefeated teams. Uh, it was pretty much a wild week. The The Buffalo-Minnesota game was just outstanding. Uh, game of the year, I think pretty easily, that was the regular season game of the year for me. Uh, it was an unbelievable performance by Justin Jefferson. I don't think it was very bold of us, but we were all in on Justin Jefferson in the GOAT district all summer long. It's great to see our guy kind of crushing Um, I know I selected Justin Jefferson with the 101 a couple times this summer. Uh, Dan Williamson did as well. Uh, So we were pretty much on that train as him being our wide receiver one overall ahead of Cooper Cup. Uh, So I feel like that was a good call we made. And I think we've been talking about Justin Jefferson as the 2023 101 in redraft. And And I think that's happening. I think by the time the summer comes along, barring an injury, knock on wood, uh, I think he's going to be the clear-cut 101. He's still young. He's fantastic. He's showed his immense ceiling. He can take over a football game and kind of make it his own. Uh, he had probably one of the best catches I've ever seen in my entire life. So if you, uh, for whatever reason, didn't get a chance to see the Minnesota Buffalo game, I highly recommend going and checking out the highlights or the condensed version on NFL+. Plus. It was just fantastic. Um, we also had some lows this weekend in terms of if you roster Cooper Cup, I think he's done. People are saying three to six weeks. I don't buy it. Uh, he the, the Rams don't seem to be going anywhere, and I don't see Cooper Cup coming back this season. I think if you're in a redraft league that has trading, I would float Cooper Cup and see what I could get. I think that there are teams that are going to buy into the, the optimistic projection that the team provides. I don't buy it for a second. I think we'll find out in a few weeks that his timetable is not good. And, you know, regardless, if it's a high ankle sprain, the high ankle sprains are kind of tough to come back from. But I know, like, I'm in two home leagues with trading um, non-dynasty, and I don't have Cooper Cup in, in either, thankfully. But if I did, I would be trying to float him out and seeing what I could get. I do, I'm do. i not optimistic for him playing another down this season. Uh, so that's a very tough one to overcome. Uh, if you do roster Cooper Cup, there's not really a replacement. And it's also a situation where, for the, where that Rams offense could get even worse. It's already uh, kind of a train wreck there. And I don't see how they're going to be able to move the ball and kind of adjust. They have these other wide receivers we've talked about, like Van Jefferson, Ben Swaronic. Maybe they they you know make up with Odell and you know bring him back in town or something like that. Not that there was ever any any beef per se, but maybe that's the emergency. But right now it's uh, a complete mess in Los Angeles. Uh, one other highlight we had this weekend was Rashad White, a guy we were a big fan of um, in the Goat District. I know that I have talked about him a lot. Um, and he looked awesome. Uh, he did not get the targets, but he had 22 carries. And I think post by Rashad White could be a potential league winner. I know that they're talking about Leonard Fournette coming back, but it seemed very odd how they were so quick to say that he's going to be back right after the bye week. It was like a very odd timing. I feel like there's more to the story. I feel like it's going to be Rashad White um kind of his show and I wouldn't be surprised if if they use him more as a receiver after the bye week I know that we didn't see that in the game against Seattle I don't know if that was um per the game plan maybe they want to just run it down their throats which they which they seem to do um but I would anticipate Rashad White being utilized as a receiver as well which is kind of his game um shout out to Jose Pena Goddard's out for extended amount of time that is also a mess um, I want to try to get some more information on exactly how long. But if anybody saw the game last night, uh, you know, Goddard went down. It was a, a tight end screen, um, and he was taken down. There was a, a missed face mask call, and it was just kind of a mess. But he did get injured on that. So that uh, that hurts Philadelphia. Um, we're not going to really go chasing Philadelphia receivers there. Um, one, one guy we'll talk about a little later is Kenny Gainwell. I wonder if they try to utilize him a little more. Um, but just getting getting into it, this week, um, this week we have Seattle, Tampa, Miami, and Jacksonville on buys. And then we have no buy weeks next week for Thanksgiving week, which is awesome. We get the triple header for Thanksgiving. Uh, it's just tremendous. Uh, anybody who's an NFL fan, you gotta love it. You get the three games on Thanksgiving Day. You have no teams on bye week. It's one of the best NFL weeks of the year. and it's also a, you know, usually must win time uh, for us fantasy grinders. So there's nothing better than that. Uh, and then week 13, we have 2 bye bi-week teams. We have Arizona and Carolina. And then week 14, we have a mess. Uh, we have, you know, you have playoffs in some formats for week 14 and you have six teams on bye: Green Bay, Atlanta, Chicago, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Washington. So it's a little bit of a mess. Uh, week 14, you know, can kind of seem like an eternity. Uh, you know, we're, since we're only in week 11, but you want to try to, you know, stay on top of that and realize that you're going to have six teams missing. So you want to be, you know, trying to plan. We try to plan a week ahead in the GOAT district. When we can, we try to plan two weeks ahead. So keep an eye on that week 14. I mean, there might be certain teams that, you know, could have a needed quarterback, especially with Justin Fields. Um, certainly a lot of teams that with Jonathan Taylor. Chris Olave, there's a ton of guys that are fantasy impactful in that week 14 um, that we need to prepare for. So we're we're gonna try to try to stay ahead of that, and I'm sure we'll talk about that next week on the OG Live Wire a little bit more in depth. Uh, this week, just getting into the players for this week, uh, we don't we don't go above 25 uh, uh, for for the rosters um, in Yahoo formats. So, you know, if you're looking to hear about how much you should bid on Kadarius Tony and how much you should bid on Rashad White, this is not the show for you. Those guys have been rostered forever um, in your leagues. Most of our listeners um are in you know pretty pretty hard formats. Um, but if you are in a league where Rashad White is available, you know, break out the bank. Um, I'm sure he's available probably in about fifty percent of Yahoo leagues um you know he would be a guy that i would try to spend you know close to all my fab left on just based on the fact that i think he could be a league winner i'll also throw isaiah pacheco's name in there in certain leagues he might be available i would be very very aggressive adding him and again kadarius tony we saw him score this weekend he looked very good he had one of the swaggiest touchdown scores i've ever seen in my entire life with the fake hamstring injury hop in the end zone it was awesome to see I have a ton of Kadarius Tony in Dynasty. I'm kind of excited to see where this thing goes um, in terms of how he finishes out the year for Kansas City. He could be a guy with a ton of juice heading into next season. I might kick the tires in Dynasty and see uh, how much people actually do value him because I could see him gaining a ton of value over the second half of the season here. Um, attached to Pat- Patrick Mahomes, we're going to expect Patrick Mahomes to be a second-round draft pick and redraft next year. Uh, obviously, his wide receivers are going to go a little bit higher. I could see Tony, you know, being somewhere in that. If he finishes the year like I think, I think he could end up being drafted somewhere in like the fourth or fifth round next year. I don't think that's out of the range of possibilities. Um, so, in terms of quarterbacks, for our roster threshold, Deshaun Watson is now rostered in 37% of Yahoo leagues. So, he's not going to be available in too many leagues now. I did not go through my FFPC teams, but I know that Watson's rostered in pretty much every NFFC team, um, so there, there's nowhere for me really to add him in the NFFC. In FFPC, I'm going to double-check, but I believe he's going to be rostered in pretty much all of them by this point. So for home leaguers, I would double-check. Watson would be a guy I'd prioritize. He's going to be back in the beginning of December. He's and now practicing with Cleveland. Uh, he's He's allowed to practice this week. And I think when he comes back, he's a locked-in quarterback one uh, with immense upside. Uh, we all know what Deshaun Watson can do on the football field. I think, you know, there's a chance that when you're in the fantasy playoffs, he might be like a top six option. And I think his floor is is a low-end QB one. So he would be a guy, if he's available, go prioritize him. Another guy is that I've talked about for a few times on this show, uh, and there's some kind of fantasy signs of life with Kenny Pickett. Uh, This week, week he had 51 yards rushing, a very nice number for a quarterback. He also found the end zone. He added 199 yards as a passer. Uh, I think that there is going to be more passing yards in weeks to come. I think there's some easier matchups coming for Pittsburgh. I like the fact that it's a very consolidated target tree for him with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth. We like all three of them in the GOAT district. Uh, So it's three kind of nice options for, for uh, a young quarterback like Pickett. They also have Jalen Warren who can catch the ball. Najee can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. So he's got some options. But the thing that makes him appealing is his rushing ability and the fact that he's having multiple rush attempts per game. So I think Pickett's a guy that, especially for super flex leagues, I would try to take a look and see if he's available. If you want to keep him as a potential upside QB2 and kind of see where this goes – Um, you know, he's a little bit more of a swing for the fences, uh, addition than the other quarterback we're going to talk about, which is Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan back under under center under Jeff Saturday, Indianapolis got the win in Jeff Saturday's first game. Jonathan Taylor was completely rejuvenated, looked fantastic. I know I have a couple teams in dynasty where Jonathan Taylor, it's like, you know, all of a sudden you feel like you're going from zero to 100, I mean, he certainly looks like the the dynasty, you know, running back 101. Um, you know, like we like we thought of him a few weeks ago. It was kind of a tough stretch for Jonathan Taylor managers, but he is back. Matt Ryan has nice pass catching options in Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Um, and I think the Colts are trying to win games. So I think Ryan's interesting in a super flex format as well. <clears throat> Other than that, not too much of the quarterback position per our threshold. Getting to the running back position. Jalen Warren, it's a guy we talk about every week on this show. There was the reports during the bye week that Warren was going to take over the job. He certainly did not take over the job, but he did see increased usage despite Najee Harris having his season-high 99 yards rushing. Uh, Warren had nine rush attempts, and he also had three targets. He caught all of them. So I think we're looking at somewhat of a 60-40 split. Let's call that the pessimistic um, outlook. I think it could be a 50-50 split. Either way, that's not enough for us to to jam Harris uh, to jam Warren into our lineups. Um, however, he's a guy that I really want to roster. If Najee Harris were to miss any time, I think Jalen Warren could be on that running back two line. I think he's he's got a little bit of juice to him, and he can catch the ball. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, shout out again to Jose Pena bringing up um, bringing up the the Goddard um, Goddard injury. I'm not sure how the Philadelphia offense will consolidate, but I would imagine you get a little bit more Miles Sanders and, and Kenneth Gainwell uh, if Goddard's to miss time. Uh, I think Quez Watkins could be a, a, a long shot guy if you're really, really desperate at wide receiver in some deeper formats. Um, because I think you know after after AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, Goddard was so impactful uh, that if he's going to miss some time, I think the offense is going to have to look elsewhere. But Kenneth Gainwell, he's available in 84% of Yahoo leagues. I think that we need to start considering him one of the more valuable handcuffs in football. Uh, He's a good player. He can catch the ball. Uh, We've seen him get in the end zone multiple times in his career. I think he had six touchdowns as a rookie. Uh, We saw him find the end zone against Houston last week. So Kenneth Gainwell should be rostered in a lot more more leagues. And I'm interested to see how his usage goes. Quiet game from Miles Sanders last night but I would imagine they kind of lean on the running backs a little bit more if Goddard's going to miss some time. James Cook. Uh, James Cook was kind of buried when Naheem Hines was was acquired. James Cook was kind of buried. People said, you know, he you can cut him. Go ahead, cut him. Uh, and he still had a kind of a quiet game this past week, but if you look inside the box score, he had 13 snaps to nine, Naheem Hines' six snaps. Devin Singletary had a smash game, had a huge, huge performance. Uh, but I think Cook, if Singletary were to miss time, would would see the majority of the carries. So he's a guy that's interested in me. He we know he can catch the football, uh, and we love that Buffalo offense. Treston Ebner, Treston Ebner is going to be under the radar in a lot of leagues, um, but he's a guy that we should consider adding. Khalil Herbert suffered a hip injury. We know how run heavy Chicago is. We know how good Justin Fields is running the football. Uh, David Montgomery has been banged up at times this year. So if Tristan Ebner is the the backup running back, then I think he's going to have weekly touches. And I think if David Montgomery were to go down, Ebner would be very, very appealing. This is a guy who was a Baylor bear, much like our own Dan Williamson in the GOAT district. Um, Ebner caught a ton of passes in college. He's a fast running back. Uh, He's dynamic. And I think if he gets an opportunity, I think he could be uh, fantasy friendly. And then one guy who didn't make my my Waiver Wire article on Player Profiler uh, was Keontae Ingram. After my article came out, Eno Benjamin was cut. It was like a very surprising cut. Um, I don't know what the story is with Eno. Eno's a guy that I'm a fan of. I have him on a number of rosters. And he had a massive game a few weeks ago. He had over 90 yards rushing and like four or five catches against New Orleans, when Arizona went nuts and they they put up like forty plus on a Thursday, um, Eno looked tremendous that game. And I even talked about on this show. I talked about him and Keontae Ingram um, being additions the the next day um, because I didn't think that Arizona would immediately go back to Connor. I thought that they would maybe have a little bit more of a split. But as soon as Connor came back, Connor got the work. But it still seems very odd that they would go ahead and cut Eno. Uh, I think there might be more to the story there. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speculate on anything, but Eno was a guy that was a seventh-round draft pick. They've held him for two years. For a seventh-round draft pick to make it to year two with the team is already a win. And then Cliff Kingsbury would kind of single out Eno any chance he had. So I don't know what's going on there. But regardless of that, Keontae Ingram becomes a very intriguing uh, pickup. Um, we saw Keontae run physical. he's he's a good size back. he runs hard. He was unfortunately playing behind Bijan Robinson at Texas. And if anybody does know, Bijan Robinson will be the 101 in every dynasty format this year. Um, I think he'll be the 101 in Superflex formats despite Bryce Young um, and a few other CJ Stroud uh, and quarterbacks like that being fantastic. I think Bijan Robinson is like a Jonathan Taylor level prospect. So Keontae played behind him at Texas and then transferred. So Keontae went a little later in the NFL draft than maybe he could have if he had the Texas job for a while. But regardless, um, you know he was another late-round selection for Arizona. But now with seemingly nobody ahead of him besides of an injury-prone James Conner, Keontae Ingram becomes very appealing. So Keontae Ingram and Tristan Ebner are kind of your under-the-radar uh, running back pickups this week in sharp leagues, you know, people will be bidding on them. Uh, but, you know, you can kind of be very under the radar in home leagues. You know, these are the kind of guys you can add for a dollar or so 1% bid. Um, and you might end up with somebody who has some impact in the, the year. We always have some running backs in the fantasy playoffs that kind of come out of nowhere and, and make an impact. And those two guys are young backs with a little bit of juice um, that are behind veterans that could go down with injury. So they're Both very interesting to me getting to, you know, pretty much the waiver wire pickup, maybe the waiver wire pickup of the year, because he's going to be available in so many high stakes formats is Christian Watson, Christian Watson. I just basically went through my, my high stakes teams. Watson is available in a number of my high stakes leagues. I would say he's available in about half of my FFPC main event teams. He's available in a few NFFC teams Um, What a performance for him this past weekend. He had three touchdown scores. He went over 100 yards. He had a 40% target share. Um, And I think some people are dismissing this as kind of a one-off game. I wouldn't be so quick to do that. I think we want to add ceiling plays. And Christian Watson just showed you that he can put it on an NFL defense. It reminds me a little bit of Chase Claypool's rookie season where you have a Big, strong wide receiver with speed. I mean, christian Watson's a six foot four wide receiver with four three speed. I remember we had Derek Brown um of of uh, fantasy pros on as one of the guys who'd been at the senior bowl watching players and he was raving about christian Watson. I know Cody Carpentier, another guy who i from player profiler another guy who I'm friends with, and I really respect his opinion on prospects, was a big fan of Christian Watson. Uh, Cody and I actually have been stashing Christian Watson on an FFWC team that we have, and we're we're super happy about it. Um, I know some people, were still stashing him, but it's been odd that a guy available in every single home league is going to be available in high stakes. This is one of the biggest waiver wire ads of the season. I would imagine you're going to have to spend – somebody in your league is going to drop 50-plus percent on Watson – and in somebody's main event league, somebody's gonna drop, it. you know, if they've been holding fab all year, someone's dropping 80% fab on him. So he's a kind of spend it all type guy. We talked about Rashad White, we talked about Isaiah Pacheco, we talked about Kadarius Tony. Like, put Watson up in in that in that pocket of players. Um, you know, to expect him to have multiple touchdowns, it would be foolish, but he's already shown you his ceiling. The fact that Aaron Rodgers targeted him so much in a very tight game, I mean, a 40% target share is insane. Um, So I would say Christian Watson to me is a wide receiver three moving forward until he proves otherwise. And he's potentially the wide receiver one um, for Green Bay moving forward. You know, you're going to have a couple of games in there where he goes like four for 60, you know, three for 70. But either way, I think that he's got touchdown upside, he's a deep threat. And we want these guys who can who can put up a big number in the fantasy playoffs. If if I'm if I'm holding Fab, I'm really going for it with Christian Watson because we might not have an opportunity like this the rest of the season. Uh, Jahan Dotson made his return last night. We've talked about him. He might be available some leagues. Nico Collins, very interesting guy. He had ten targets this past weekend. Um, that was huge. That was a season high for him. He'd missed two straight games, and he ends up with 10 targets. We don't love the Houston offense, obviously, but Nico Collins is a guy we've talked about on the show a lot. I think he's a strong addition this week. Um, I think that a lot of people are going to go crazy for, for Christian Watson, but Nico Collins, he doesn't have the upside, but I think there's a chance that he's seeing, let's say, six or seven targets a week moving forward as a you know a 1A, 1B with Brandon Cooks on that offense. Depending on your league, that might really help you a lot. Um, so Nico Collins is a guy I would also prioritize. Darius Slayton is still available in a ton of leagues. I feel like I've talked about Darius Slayton every single week on the show, and I've written about him on Player Profiler every single week. No one picks him up. So I guess uh, not everybody's listening to me on Darius Slayton, but he had another big game this past weekend. He found the end zone in New York's win over Houston. Um, he's the clear-cut wide receiver one for the Giants. I know that we don't love the passing game there. It's the Saquon show. Um, sadly, Wondell Robinson is just not happening. You, you know, anybody who listens to the Goat District knows Wondell is my guy. Um, but, you you know, you've had uh, back-to-back games where Wondell's just not getting the volume he needs. Um, so Slayton is pretty clearly, to me, a wide receiver four. That is not that exciting, but... Depending on your bye week situation, your injury situation, uh, Darius Slayton's a guy you can plug in. Um, He's now had four games with 58 yards or more, and he scored a touchdown in two of his last three games. So Slayton is what he is. It's wild, but he is the wide receiver one for the Giants right now. One of my favorite guys to add this week is Paris Campbell. Matt Ryan, we just talked about under quarterbacks. Matt Ryan has this unbelievable connection with Paris Campbell right now. Uh, They have had three straight games where Matt Ryan starts and Paris Campbell scores a touchdown this past weekend. He had seven catches for 76 yards. And again, a touchdown Campbell has had a really, really nice run quietly. The Sam Ellinger era seems to be over. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying that Paris Campbell is a wide receiver three, you know, moving forward. He's a guy that if he's available, I would prioritize him. I don't think he's going to go for as much fab as Christian Watson, but he will go for some fab, um, especially in the high stakes formats. So be prepared to spend fab on on Paris Campbell. So if I if I had my if I had to rank them, um, and we'll I'll throw Tony in the mix here just in case anybody has it in a home league, it would go Tony, then it would go Christian Watson, then it would go Paris Campbell. So for high stakes formats, Watson then Campbell, but both would be great additions and let's say Nico Collins would be the fallback um, and Slayton would be like the contingency guy. Uh, a couple more wide receivers to talk about. This is a fun week for adding wideouts. Traylon Burks is still available in a lot of leagues. Uh, he had a promising game, not in terms of a stat line, but in terms of usage. He had six targets his first game back from injury, which was a season high for him. It tied a season high. Um, it's a promising start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay bullish on Traylon. Every other wide receiver besides Jamison Williams, whose draft was drafted in the first round or early second, has had at least one big game. I think it's coming for Traylon Brooks. I will continue to to beat that drum. Um, And I think that if he's going to see six targets a week, then that is going to be, you know, there's potential there for him to have a big game. We saw Nick Westbrook-Akine put up a nice stat line. Uh, Traylon Brooks is a better talent than than Nick Westbrook-Akine. I mean, come on, man. Uh, so let's uh, let's try to add Traylon where available. Um, that's one young player. Another old player who's who's available in a lot of leagues is Jarvis Landry. Landry came back from injury and he saw six targets in a close game. Besides Chris Olave, I think that New Orleans really needs another wide receiver to step up, and Landry is it. Uh, he's a floor play. We know what Jarvis Landry is for his career, um, but I think that he's a guy that could maybe be a you know, five catch a week type guy, which is very valuable in some formats right now. Another guy coming back from from the IR is Corey Davis. The Jets come off of a buy. We'll talk about my boy Elijah Moore real quick. Elijah Moore will be available in a lot of leagues. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. want to to, to gas him up too much because I did enough of that this summer. It's been an extremely disappointing year for Elijah Moore drafters like myself. Uh, He's a guy that we really believed in. We were hoping he would maybe get traded at the trade deadline. That did not happen. But Robert Sala, during the bye week, came out and said that they're moving Elijah Moore to the slot. I think that's a huge thing for him. Uh, if they're going to play him in the slot predominantly, Elijah Moore could be uh, definitely have be fantasy viable. Um, he's still rostered in some leagues. He wasn't like cut everywhere, so he'd be a guy that I would check on the waiver wire. Maybe he goes under the under the radar, and I think it's more of a one week test. The bye week just happened. So if I pick up Elijah Moore and the usage is not there after a week, you send him right back to the wire and Robert Sala was kind of full of it. But if he sees an uptick in snaps or targets, then you know that that's, that might be a thing, but the other wide receiver is Corey Davis. Uh, Corey Davis had four games with 52 yards or more early in the season. Then, uh, and a little bit of it was fluky. It would be like game flow and Davis would catch a late pass and, and, you know, have a really big gain, and it kind of helped his stat line. But regardless, stats are stats. And he had four games of 52 yards or more. Um, he's going to play on the outside opposite Garrett Wilson, figure Elijah Moore in the slot with Conklin at tight end, Carter and Robinson. The Jets offense is kind of easy to figure out, uh, but that Jets team uh, has a huge game this week against New England. Uh, coming off of a bye, we'll be interested to see what Corey Davis does. Tight end is kind of fun this week. Tight end. Uh oh, and shout out to my man Jason Van Buren in the in the chat. Hit the thumbs up. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate that. Um got another question. Uh shout out to Premium Uta. Just need a second opinion on this. I have Cup and someone else listed Eckler for trade in my league. Is there anything I could do? Yes. If you if you can find somebody that'll trade you Austin Eckler for Cooper Cup Plus, I would absolutely do that. I think that that's a no-brainer for you. Again, I don't think Cooper Cup's going to play another down this year. I could be wrong on that, but that's kind of where I'm at. The Rams season is going south. They're already saying three to six weeks. I would say it's going to be more like six weeks. And why would you bring him back for a losing team? Uh, you know, obviously he's a competitor. Obviously the team's playing him, paying him a tremendous amount of money. Maybe I could be wrong on that. But let's say that the next few weeks really, really matter for fantasy. You need to win these weeks. So if I could go get these guys, um, you know that that have a chance to help me, you know, get a bye week or get a one seed, win some regular season money. I mean, you name it, I'm making that move. I do not trust the Rams on this one. Tight. Getting back to tight end, Foster Moreau, Darren Waller was sent to the IR. Sort of similar here to the to what we're dealing with with Cooper Cup. We sat around, you know, thinking that Darren Waller would be back. They kept saying he was getting closer. They kept saying he was getting closer, and then he gets sent to the IR. So Moreau is a guy that is not especially exciting, but he's had four targets or more six times this season uh, for a tight end. That's something we we can't ignore, especially in tight end premium. I have a ton of Foster Moreau. We've we've added him a few times this year, um, you know, on go district teams, and I have him on a lot of my teams. Just be realistic with your expectations. He is a tight end, too. I would call him a mid-level tight end, too. He's going to be around, like, tight end 18 overall every single week. This past week he uh, had a touchdown score, and I think when he, when he scores a touchdown, that's great. But I think he's not going to completely kill you because uh, you, can, you can know what to expect in terms of his targets. One guy who's a really fun upside addition this week is Trey McBride. Trey McBride, anybody who follows the Goatristic knows that that I am a big fan of his. Uh, This was a guy that I added in pretty much every single Dynasty League I could. He was a tremendous pass catcher at Colorado State, won a number of awards. He was a second-round draft pick this year for Arizona. Uh, It has not happened for him this year. We've seen a bunch of tight ends flash. We've seen Dulcich flash. We've seen Kate Otten flash. We've seen Daniel Bellinger flash. Um, but Trey McBride was my favorite of all of them in the preseason. Zach Ertz has gone down with an injury. Uh, That is very unfortunate, but Ertz had a huge role on that team. The tight end was a big thing for Arizona, and I think that McBride is a very sneaky pickup this week. I think people are going to be looking to add him, but I would be aggressive. If you don't like your tight end situation, which I know there's a number of teams in FFPC, I know that we have some teams where we've kind of been hanging on at tight end uh, us co-district guys, like I'm going to prioritize McBride. If you tell me I could add a McBride or a Foster Moreau or a McBride or a Jawan Johnson, uh, I might swing for the fences and go McBride just because I really believe in the talent. And I think that he's a a dynamic player. Uh, we Again, we were really high on him this summer. He was a guy that I drafted in a ton of dynasty rookie drafts. So I'm going to take an optimistic approach. We do have Hollywood Brown coming back from an injury soon to go with DeAndre Hopkins and to go with Rondell Moore, who's just been on fire. But I think that the tight end position will not just disappear. Um, And I think that, you know, with those four guys out there, they could be kind of an exciting offense to end the season, especially when we get Hollywood back. So I'm going to take an optimistic approach. I'm going to prioritize Trey McBride this week. Um, I do like him a lot. Jawan Johnson, who I just mentioned, is also going to be available in a lot of leagues. Uh, he's a guy we've talked about a lot. He's on the field um, a ton. You know, this week, you know, he had another another four catches. Or excuse me, went over forty yards again this week. It's back to back weeks of that. Um, he's been solid. So Jawan Johnson, much like Foster Moreau, you know, call him a pretty much locked in tight end two right now. If you're in tight end premium, you know that that's a Uh, that's something you can't like, you know, ignore in these tight end premium leagues. Shout out to my man, JD smash the like, appreciate that JD again tonight at nine 30 Eastern time. We're going to have our third high stakes round table of the season. We had two great ones. Um, we've had the, the first, the first one was, uh, Michael Edelman and Matt Modica. That was just tremendous. And we've kind of kept these going this season. This is our third one so far. We Tonight, we have another FFPC-NFFC crossover episode where we have Chris Vaccaro, a good friend of mine and one of the better NFFC drafters around, also has a tremendous podcast on The Athletic and also writes for The Athletic. He's been on the go to a number of times. And also another friend of mine, Abib Agbatoba, who is one of the sharpest FFPC guys around, um, also puts out tremendous content with First and Fifteen. We're going to hit some big, broad topic uh, com- uh, topics that are going to help us win, um, you know, potentially help us win our league moving forward. So uh, 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 really excited about tonight. Uh, then on Thursday night, we have Scott Spratt of FTN. Uh, Scott Spratt has been on multiple pods lately with, um, with our friend Nelson Sousa, another FTN guy and a guy I split teams with, one of the best high-stakes guys around. Scott puts out a very good start sit column every single week with his starts and his sits. It's been money this year, so we're gonna have a, a tailgate start sit, and then this Friday night we have Austin R. Martin coming on. Austin is probably the biggest shark in high stakes dynasty in the whole country. So you know, if you love our high stakes for uh, uh, high stakes shows, Austin is a high-stakes shark who also does Dynasty. Austin's a very good redraft player, a very good best ball player, but Dynasty, I would say, is his forte. We're going to go over some redraft stuff, but we're going to focus on Dynasty this Friday. Uh, We're really excited to be back in the district. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you tonight.